0: Of the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, I love to hear the turning of the pages of God's Word. I dread the day whenever the preacher gets up and says, now take your iPad and and start clicking. (laughs) Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. And they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the Highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. All of the miracles of Jesus have a message. We need to understand that. They were not recorded to entertain us but rather they were designed to enlighten us and to educate us, to give us a message. And here in the story of Lion of Bartimaeus, we see that he teaches us a lot about how we relate to God. Because even though you're not blind, perhaps, you have more in common with this man than, than what you might think. And I want you to see what the blind man saw. And we'll get to that toward the end of the message. But before we talk about what the blind man saw, we need to understand the story. And the first thing that leaps out and grabs us by the throat and gets our attention is found in verse number 46 where it has to do with his condition. Notice here is a man that is blind, That is problematic for anyone. Uh, Bev's sister happens, one of her sisters, happens to be blind. And uh, most people never stop and think what it would be like to live all of your life uh, not being able to see. Bonnie requested prayer for her sister because uh, the doctors feel that she is starting down that road, about to lose her sight and what a heavy burden that imposes upon such a person especially especially somebody that maybe for part of their life they've been able to see and all of a sudden to to not be able to see and so this man is blind but he's not just blind he's also a beggar he's begging he's dependent upon others you know we live in a day where a lot of blind people can live productive lives But that wasn't the case back then, because in those days, blind people couldn't work, so they had to beg. We didn't have social programs, you know, and things like that to assist them, and so they had to go out and to beg in order to survive. And in the mind of most people in that day, they these beggars uh, were at the very bottom of the social ladder. Nobody was going to invite them over, you know, for a fellowship dinner. Nobody was going to take them out for a night on the town. Nobody, you know, wanted to rub shoulders with them and and get close to them. And so they're, they're like social outcasts. And this is the awful condition that this man is in, but he hears that Jesus is passing by. Now, without a doubt, he has already heard some talk about Jesus He's evidently heard about how Jesus had healed other people. And so this man, on this particular day, at least has a glimmer of hope. And by the way, let me say to you that if you're here today and not saved, what you've already heard, it might have been from your grandparents or your parents, it might have been from a classmate, a co-worker, or whoever, But whatever you've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ ought to get your attention. You ought to stop and think about what people have been trying to tell you. Their testimonies of how God saved them and changed their life and met their needs and gave them joy instead of sorrow and peace instead of depression. And you need to stop and consider that. And this is where Bartimaeus is. He's blind. He's begging. But... He's heard something. People have been talking about this man called Jesus, and he's thinking, no doubt in his mind, this just might be my day. And so in verse 47, we see his confidence, because although he could not see, he could believe. And he believed, notice that Jesus was there, He evidently believed that Jesus had the power to save him. And notice he says here in verse number 47, in response, he says, "'Jesus, thou Son of David, have mercy on me.'" Now, we read that, and we don't make a lot of it, perhaps. But every Jew understood perfectly well what he meant when he says, "'Jesus, thou Son of David.'" That phrase, Son of David, is a reference to the Messiah, to the King. and He's the one with divine power. He is the one that the children of Israel were looking for. And so Bartimaeus is expressing his belief that this man is more than a great teacher. This man is more than a fine example. This man is more than a miracle worker. He is acknowledging that Jesus is... The King. Now think about it. This is a step of faith on his part. And by the way, a step of faith always has to be the first step because we are spiritually blind in our natural state. In fact, the Bible says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers lest the light of the glorious gospel shine unto them and they believe and be saved. So many times we wonder, well, why is it that I can't get through to my friends? Why is it that I can't convince them of their need of salvation? Why is it that they reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And you've got to understand they're involved in a spiritual battle and Satan, with all of his power, has blinded their minds. You're not going to win them by argument. You're not going to convince them by reasoning. It's going to take the power of God's Spirit to open their eyes and awaken them to their needs. And so here is Bartimaeus, and we don't know all of the things that he has heard already, but he has a glimmer of hope, and obviously now there's some recognition on his part as to who Jesus Christ is. And isn't it wonderful that, that somebody had been talking about Jesus? The song a while ago said, somebody's got to tell somebody. Amen. I mean, you heard the gospel from someone. Amen. And so it is transmitted from one person to another person. And thankfully, somebody's been talking about Jesus, and he has heard, and now he has the confidence to believe that Jesus could help him with his problem. Now, I know you've probably heard people say, well, I'll believe it whenever I see it. That's not faith. That's sight. Faith is believing what you cannot see by the natural means. And, And by the way, that's what God expects from us. Hebrews 6 and verse number 10 says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Have you ever thought about what a terrible insult it is to God? for Him to love you and to give His only begotten Son, for Him to just meet all of your needs and cause the sun to rise upon you and the rain to fall and the crops to grow and to provide all of your needs and then for you to turn around and say, but I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to trust you. And and, and you can't understand God. God. I can't understand God. If we're going to depend on our understanding, if we're going to rely upon our reasoning, folks, we're forever going to be confused. We'll forever be lost. There comes a point in time where we simply have to believe that God is who He claimed to be. You say, well, why would I believe that? Well, for one thing, He's proven it. He's proven Himself. Somebody says, well, my, you people expect us just to, to believe with blind faith? No, faith is not blind. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not blind. Certainly, faith does not See, in the sense of understanding and being able to explain everything, but it believes in the sense that it's willing to trust. You'll remember the apostle Paul said, "I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have uh, which I have uh, presented unto him against that day." Notice he didn't say, "I know what I believe." You see, what you believe is going to be determined by who you believe. And here is a blind man who is begging, a blind man that is an outcast in society that nobody else cares about, and he hears from someone that Jesus is there, and he is acknowledging his confidence that Jesus is the one that can meet his need. Now, you think everybody would be happy, right? Well, look at verse 48, because here we see his critics. All of a sudden, whenever others ought to be rejoicing, and many... Not just a few, but many charged him that he should hold his peace. That's sort of a polite way of them telling him, you need to shut up. Just be quiet. Just shut up. It's like them telling him that Jesus has got more important things to do. You're not on his agenda. You're not important to him. He's not concerned about you. And so rather than encouraging him, they tried to silence him and you know that's the way it is with some people. When you show an interest in Christ and you determine that uh, that that you're going to live for the Lord, that you're going to follow the Lord, there'll be people that will rebuke you and they'll try to discourage you. I'll never forget several years ago we had a had a family in the church, and uh, the, the the woman was you know very concerned about her husband, and uh, so she'd ask the church again and again pray for him. And well, we did. And he made a profession of faith, and he got in the church. And I'll never forget, there was a missionary family that was coming through. They, 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 were, they needed some new tires. And so the husband suggested to his wife, we've got a little extra money. Why don't we buy them a set of tires? And she threw the awfulest fit. I mean, you would, have think, you would have think that he was wanting to lynch somebody. And, and and so here is a woman that it's kind of like Lord, you know, I, I need a husband that will treat me better. I need a husband, you know, that will give me the things that I want and do for me the things that I want him to do. I need a husband that'll meet my needs, but Lord, I don't want a husband that's so spiritual and so interested in in spiritual things that he wants to go around wasting money on buying missionaries new tires. You know, that's the way it is with a lot of folks. You know, they they talk they talk about being followers of the Lord, but when somebody wants to really sell out and get serious about, you know, serving God, they don't want to go that far. There might be some of you here this morning that you've experienced that as a husband or as a wife. And it might be that you're dead serious about serving God, but your spouse isn't. And what a heavy load that is for you to bear. And people like that need our prayers and our encouragement. I'm just telling you that the more you determine to be a follower of Jesus, the more determined others are going to be to try to stop you. And we find out these people trying to shut Him up trying to deny him the privilege of having his needs met. And thankfully, notice it said, he cried the more. That word cried there means to shout. It means to scream. It's an expression of desperation. He wasn't afraid to show his emotions, and he was not about to let these other people deter him from what was important in his life. And that's the way you need the determination of a bulldog whenever it comes to spiritual things. We think about Jacob. Uh, there's an old song that says, "In Jacob in the days of old, when he wrestled with the Lord, and, and the song title is, I Would Not Be Denied. We need that that attitude when it comes to the things of God that we're just not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to quit. We know what we need and why we want it. And, and, and the purpose behind it is to glory. God, and we're not going to let others stop us. Well, notice what happens in verse number 49. Here we see his chance. And I want you to notice carefully what it said. Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good courage, rise. He calleth thee. That must have been a shock to, to his critics, Right? Because well, Jesus stopped and took the time to have the man come to him. How wonderful that is. Remember, Jesus is en route to Jerusalem to die for our sins. He is en route to Jerusalem to provide salvation, to taste death for every man, and the cry of one blind beggar Gets his attention aren't you glad that he's that kind of a god that he's concerned about the individual and he stopped dead in his tracks to think that this blind man could get his attention and and, and for him to take time for this one man and and were it not were it not for that, this man would have had no chance whatsoever. And Jesus is demonstrating his concern for this man, and He calls to the man. Now notice his confession, verse 50 and 51. Notice what happens, and he casting away his garment. I think that's important. casting away his garment. Now you, you've got to understand, blind people didn't have a lot of things. Blind people were not rich, didn't have a lot of possessions. And his garment is the thing that protected him by day and by night. It's something that that brought him comfort. It's one of the very few possessions that he would have had. It's something that was of great value to him. And yet it says he cast that aside, just leaving it there. By the way, you do know they had thieves in those days, right? And I'm just thinking, some of these people who had been his critics might also have been glad to relieve him of his very garments. But he wasn't going to let anything hinder him from getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, there was nothing too important, nothing too great to stop him. So he cast it aside. And and notice what happened next. It says, Jesus asked, What will thou that I should do unto thee? What do you want? Well, now wait a minute. Jesus is the Son of God. He knows everything. I mean, He knew the date of this man's birth. He knew what His name was. He knew what His need was. He knew everything about Him. Jesus is not inquiring out of ignorance. Jesus is inquiring in order to get this man, bring this man to the point of Him confessing, admitting what His need is. And and notice what the beggar's response was. Well, let's notice what it wasn't. He didn't say, could could you give me the name of a good eye doctor? (laughs) You know, anybody that you could recommend? I've got this problem I've never been able to see. I'm blind as a bat. Do you know anybody that might be able to help me? Or or notice, he did not say, would you bless me? He didn't say, would you fill my, my beggar's cup with money? I mean, he gets right to the point. You know, the best, the best prayers are always simple, short, specific, and sincere. And that's what he does. He gets right to the point. If, listen, if you want God to meet your needs, you've got to be honest about your condition. Can, can you imagine how foolish it would be if that man pretended that he could see you know, he's sitting there in the crowd and somebody says, oh, there, there comes Jesus. I, I see him now. There, there he is. That's the one everybody's been talking about. Bartimaeus, what do you think about? Him? Oh, yeah, I see him. Yeah, he's taller than I thought. I mean, he could have pretended, you know, and Jesus could have said, you know, what do you want me to do for you today? And he could say, oh, I don't, have, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Well, how silly would that be to deny your need when it is something so serious as being blind, being dependent upon society for your very survival? Nobody in their right mind would do that. And yet every day there are those that deny their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. People that refuse to deal with their spiritual condition. The Bible says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. And there are a lot of people who want to argue about that. They want to deny that. They refuse to admit that I am a sinner, I am lost, I am hell-bound, I deserve whatever punishment that God gives me, and they refuse to admit that and just go through life pretending that everything is is okay. Well, it's not. It's not. And it will never be okay until you get honest about your condition. Whether your condition is an unsaved person, or whether your condition maybe is a backslidden believer, whatever it is. You need to get honest about it. And and by the way, we need to learn to ask God to do big things. Don't be afraid to ask God to do the miraculous. You know, so many times we'll pray and God will answer the prayer and it's like, Whoo, wow, I didn't think that was going to happen. Can you believe it? God healed that person, you know? Well, haven't we been praying for that person? You know, so many times we get surprised by what God does and it really, we ought to be thankful, we ought to be excited, but why should we be surprised? He is a great God. Amen. And listen, we need to take that into consideration when we pray and ask God to do the big things in our life. And by the way, there's not anything bigger, more important in your life than being saved. Amen. Now notice the change that takes place in verse number 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole, and immediately, not next week, not next month, not next year, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, now notice, without ever touching him, Jesus gave him his sight. He saw his faith, and you know, everything's not recorded here. Jesus knows what's going on in that man's heart. Jesus knows what that man knows. And so I don't want you to sit here and to assume that here is a man that became a child of God without having any understanding as to who the Lord really was. Because when he uses that word, Lord, it's an acknowledgment that he is Master. Master. That he is a prince. You see, that was a title of speaking about somebody deserving of honor. That happens to be exactly the same word that Mary used when speaking about her dear son and Lord and Savior. You see, he knows who Jesus is. And the Lord understands that. And he is trusting the Lord, not only for his sight, but for his salvation. And Jesus knows that. And without ever touching him, he speaks a word and the man is healed. Now, the, the amazing thing is, you know, God deals with people in different ways. And we look into the Bible and we see on several occasions Jesus healing blind people. We see here that He healed a man without without saying a word or, you know, nothing. They didn't touch him or anything. On another occasion, He touched a man and He healed him. On another occasion... He touched a person, and it says he touched them twice, and that person was healed. On another person, you know, he spit on the ground, and he took his finger and made from the spittle some mud and anointed the man's eyes, and it enabled the man to see. So he deals with us in different ways. I love what old Van Zabner said many years ago. He said, if those four blind men were here today, we would have four different churches by friday he said we'd have the word the word of faith church the once touch church the twice touch church and the spit in your eye church you know, and, and that's that's about right because there's so many people, you know, they want to start their own little movement just because they had a different experience than somebody else. Somebody says, well, I know that I'm saved because whenever I came forward during the church, I you know, I saw a lightning bolt and I heard thunder and felt like an angel tapped me on the shoulder. And, you know, maybe you had one of those kind of experiences, you know, I I, I don't know. We, we, we all have different emotional experiences, but the one thing in common is salvation is always by grace through faith. It's never by works for anybody. It's never because we deserve it. It's always because of the fact that God is a gracious God. Now, notice when His eyes were open. He began, it tells us here, he began to follow Jesus. And let me tell you, when your eyes are open, that's what you do. When your spiritual eyes are open, you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the story of Fanny Crosby. I don't know anybody that pictures this any better than her. Here's a woman that couldn't see, and although she was blind, she wrote over 8,500 poems and hymns. How many have you written? What have you? Done? You see, sometimes not having a handicap is our biggest handicap. We don't see our problem, and we don't see our need. And as a result of that, we never turn to the Lord because we're like the Pharisees in the day of Jesus. Whenever they said, "Well, you know, we, we, we don't have any need. We, we've never been in bondage to any man. We're the seed of Abraham. We don't need you. Look who we are." And as a result of not seeing their need. They miss the very thing they need most. You'll never be saved until you acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner in the sight of God. Now, I want you to notice three things, three things that the blind man saw. He saw, first of all, his need. Do you? Now, I'm not talking about your desires, I'm not talking about the things that you want. Because everybody here, you could be thinking, Well, you know, I wish God would do this or I wish God would do that. And we've all got certain desires, right? I'm talking about your need. Do you see your need, your deepest need, your greatest need? Do you do you have any idea what your need is? You need to see what the blind man saw. He understood what his need was. Secondly, the blind man saw his opportunity. Do you? He saw this is an opportunity. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. And by the way, he would never pass through Jericho again. He was on his way to Jerusalem. This is the one chance. I mean, the only chance. And by the way... I don't know that Bartimaeus knew that. I doubt that he did. But the fact of the matter is, this was the last trip through Jericho, the only time that their paths would ever cross. What a different story this would have been had he procrastinated. What if Bartimaeus had reasoned, well, you know, I I really do. I have this problem. I have this need in my life and... And, and I understand from what everybody else is saying, Jesus is probably the person that could meet that need. But, you know, my, the, the, it's pretty hot out today. The humidity is way up there. And I, I think I'll wait some other time. Or, or, he, he might have reasoned, what will people think? What are they going to say? I, I think I'll wait until there's you know, not such a big crowd. You've heard people say, I just can't stand to be in a big crowd. That's why I don't go to church. And then to go down to the ball game with 50,000 people. How crazy is that? Or he could have said, well, you know, I had good intentions. I, I'd heard about Jesus. But, but the very time I began to talk about it, you know, these people started criticizing and told me to shut up. Uh, I'll just wait till some other time. You, you, you see, folks, listen, today might be your last opportunity. You don't have any assurance of tomorrow whatsoever. You better seize it while the opportunity there. The blind man saw his need. The blind man saw his opportunity and he wasn't going to put it off. And then, and then, the blind man saw the need to follow Christ. It's really interesting to me because every Sunday, you know, I get up here and as most preachers, you know, I beg and I plead and I try to encourage folks to come to the Lord and to obey the Lord and to love the Lord. And you, you read this and it's like Jesus didn't put any pressure on, on this man at all. I, 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 it makes me wonder what people might think if. If I got up and I preached the message, I said, all right, let's all stand for the benediction. What? You know, no invitation? Aren't you going to give people a chance to respond? Do I need to encourage you to respond if God's dealing with you about the greatest need of your life? Did you notice what Jesus said? He said, go thy way. There it is. Open road. Go thy way. He's letting this man know, you've got a choice. And notice what happened. It said he followed Jesus in the way. In other words, the Lord's way became His way, and that's the way it should be. When a person is truly saved, it changes the way they think. It changes the way they feel. It changes the way they live. Listen. Because we're saved does not mean that we're perfect. But we're sure different, and we're better, and we want to be perfect. I remember several years ago reading the story of of a Christian and a communist, and they were sitting in the park on the park bench talking to one another and debating issues, and this poor drunken beggar comes by in all of his tattered rags, and the communist pointed to the man over there and said, Well, I'll tell you one thing. He said, communists would put a new suit on that man and the Christian said to him well you know that might be so but Christianity will put a new man in that suit and you see that's what the Lord wants to look folks you don't need to turn over a new leaf that's not good enough you need a new life you don't need reformation you need regeneration you need to be born again Somebody says, well, I need a new start. No, no, you need a new heart. And if you've got a new heart, you'll have a new start, you see. There's only one way to get it, and that is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you read the entire account and you go over to what Luke says, and as he describes it, he says in chapter 18, verse 37, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth... Pass by. In other words, there's other people telling him, here he comes. And, and dear friend, I'm telling you today, he's passing by. But on the authority of his word, I'm telling you, whatever your need is, it's like the song says, he's here. He, he's here. He's passing by. I'll never forget Bev and I spending a week down in Corpus and down at the girls' home and with Lester Roloff many years ago. And every time I think of old Brother Roloff, I always think of that song that he always sang: "One sat alone beside the highway, begging." His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. I I wish I could sing it like it deserves. The chorus says, When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. And all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Oh, I tell you, can you imagine talking to Bartimaeus five minutes after that? Where are you going, Bart? <laughs> I'm going after Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. You see, Jesus took a nobody... And showed the world that He can take a nobody and make somebody out of Him. And that's what He wants to do in your life this morning. Do you see what the blind man saw? Do you see your need? Do you see your opportunity? Do you see the need of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? I hope so. Because all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Would you stand? Father... I pray this morning that in spite of our faults and failures, our weaknesses, our sins, that, Lord, that you will bless this service. And, Lord, I just have to believe this morning that there's someone here, although their their need, their problem might not be exactly the same as Bartimaeus, but yet, yet there's a a need in their life that nobody but you can meet. And oh God, I pray that by Your Spirit that You'll stir up their heart and open their eyes and help them to see that You stand ready and willing today to meet their need. God, help them to not procrastinate. Help them to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity and respond to Your invitation and that Your will might be done in their life. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. While we sing, would you come? You can come just like you are. But that thy blood was shed for me. You know, you might be here today and it might be that I haven't even touched on the the subject that you consider to be the need of your life. Maybe you're here and you're saved and you know you are and you're on your way to heaven. And it might be that you haven't committed any horrible, terrible sin this week that you need to repent of and it might be, be that you haven't robbed God of the tithes and offerings or anything like that. So your need might be entirely different and I didn't even mention it. I don't even know about it. But deep down in your heart there's some need. It might be that it might be that spirit of doubt and pessimism in your heart that just leaves you in a state of depression and or robbing you of your joy and ruining your testimony. I don't know what it is. I I don't even need to know. But I, I just want to encourage you to, to don't go away from here today without dealing with it. It might be you've never followed the Lord in Scripture or baptism. It might be that, that, that this is where God wants you to put your church membership. I don't know. But I do know that if God's dealing with you about it now, it's because God wants you to do something about it now. Not later. Now. And this is your opportunity. And while we sing, if God's speaking to your heart, would you come? Just as I am and waiting not to, to rid my soul of one dark. Cleanse each spot, O lamb of God I come. I come. Thank you so much for your attention and just so glad that you're here today and, uh, Good to see brother mike he 's been working out of town, as everybody knows, and i didn 't mention his name earlier, but we 're sure glad he 's able to be here with his church family and his, and his family today and Amen. for each one of you. I hope you 'll come back tonight it 's just, it's, it's just always a great time because there 's nothing formal about it or anything in fact we don 't even know exactly what we 're going to do and, but it 's going to be fun, just a lot of good rejoicing in the Lord and and so, come back and be with us tonight. I, I, I thank you. About that, real quick, Father. Sure. Uh, I'll be standing right down here. So, if you would like to sing, you have to come by. Um, right and rehearse? I'm sorry. Re- rehearse? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You got to rehearse for me now. Well. You You have to come by. At least tell me what song you're singing. Okay, so come by. I'll be right here. If you do not, you will not sing tonight. And also, uh, those that are participating in the men's uh, top golf tonight. Uh, I'll be meeting right down here to give you all the information. If you did not sign up, that is fine. We still have a few more spots, so you can sign up. or So just meet me here directly after church, okay? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. David Myers, would you lead us in prayer, please?